Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Performance Marketing Unlocked. Have you ever felt overwhelmed by the amount of changing tech and skills that are required to be a marketer in 2024? Well, you are not alone. And in this week's episode, we are talking about upskilling and imposter syndrome in marketing and why it might affect marketers more than other industries. To talk about this, we are joined in the studio by Kate Burnett, General Manager at DMA Talent and Yarmila Yu, Chair of the DMA's Talent Council and founder of Unique Marketing. Listen on to find out more. We only have a few weeks to go until our big unlocked event of 2024. It is our two-day event the most important performance marketing event in your calendar in London and it takes place on the 5th and 6th of March. We will be hearing from Co-op, Coca-Cola, ASOS and Stephen Bartlett's Diary of a CEO with some extra special guests to be announced soon. So make sure you head to our website and register for the event. Let's get into it because we are also here to talk about imposter syndrome and how this you know, affects marketers and Especially now, I wanted to talk about what kind of factors contribute to the feelings of imposter syndrome, especially within marketing, and why marketers might be more susceptible than other sectors or, or job roles. So, uh, Kate, would you like to start us off? I think there's there's three or four main areas, and I don't think these are all distinct to marketing, but I think with marketing, we've got lots of different entry points into the industry. So you can be an apprentice now, you can be a graduate, you can just start your own business. And I think sometimes that makes some people think other routes are more qualified than others. And that leads to a sort of maybe false comparison that makes people feel slightly uncomfortable, I guess, at times. And that that could be a lead. But you could say that about many industries. It's also a constantly changing industry. So it's very easy to get tangled up in the changes of tech, the changes of channels, the changes of data use, the changes of governance, and feel like it's all moving too fast and forget that you already know, you know the strong principles of things and, and that should guide you well. So I think that is something that, that people struggle with. Um, and the other one I think is a not enough importance placed on training in the industry. It's always something that sort of gets dropped if there's a meeting to rush to or something that happens and it, it's not in the culture I don't think and I think that's that also contributes to imposter syndrome people feeling that yeah and I think you know like you said with tech as well it's even more important because it's changing so much that uh, not only people keep up to date but don't feel like they're missing out as well and feel like they're falling behind with all these changes um yeah what are you, you Yamila? Um, well, earlier I mentioned about attracting youngsters into the profession, and I, I use the term youngsters, but it really is any age. But I use that term because I don't view myself as a, as a youngster anymore, because I, when I reflect <laughs> back on my career, I've actually been working marketing for 30 years. And um, yes, had had my big uh, 5-0 birthday a little, little while back. So uh, so yes, yeah, so I do I do view that as sort of uh, the, the youngsters coming, everyone else is, is younger, and those that I interact with in the market, they're all... They're all yeah, typically younger than me. Uh, there, there are several things. I mean, imposter syndrome, it now has a label. We now know it is imposter syndrome, and we've been talking about that for the last few years. But it's been around since imposter syndrome, well, since the mid-70s, when it was first uh, labelled by, by psychologists then. I see it show up in marketeers. I see it show up in entrepreneurs. I, I see it show up in business leaders. I work with all of uh, those individuals in my in my day to day work, 
And yes, there are there's, there's commonalities between them. And in most professions, there is this fast pace of change, but none that is just as fast as marketing. And if I, again, reflect back over the last 30 years, the change that I've seen in marketing and, and the, the switch from old school to sort of modern modern methods, it's just so rapid. It's just so vast. And there is this feeling that over the last, especially the last 20 years since um, the great big financial uh, crisis in the mid-2000s, uh, where organisations made themselves go lean in their teams, reduced headcount, reduced the size of their marketing teams as well as their overall marketing spend budgets, there is this expectation that fewer people have to achieve more. So there's a lot of pressure that business is actually putting on people, on its people and on its marketeers. And for those few that are within that marketing department within an organisation, or maybe they could just be the sole marketeer within a business, oh my goodness, that's a lot of pressure to think they've got to be the go-to, the expert, the know-it-all of everything. And with businesses expecting excellence as well, they're wanting the performance, and obviously we're talking about performance marketing as well, they're, they're looking for excellence in execution, they're looking for, for strategic decision-making abilities, they're looking for not just the creative, the big idea that's going to capture people's and consumers' and businesses' imagination, but they're looking for the how to get that done. So it's we've got to be analytical, we've almost got to be programmers and coders, and oh my goodness, I feel exhausted just <laughs> saying all of that. But we can't be all of those things, but the pressure we put on ourselves is immense. So I think, to Kate's point about professional development, every day is a school day. I always use that phrase with, with my mentees. Every opportunity is a learning opportunity. We never stop learning. It's not when you leave school. It's not when you leave university. It's not when you finish that apprenticeship program. The method of, and learning needs to stay with you throughout your entire career. There's always something new to learn. And if we can embed that sense of learning and understanding that even if we give up an hour a week, to some learning, whether it's just leafing through, you know, a book, you know, re doing some online research, or going on a specific webinar or course, or listening to a podcast, then you'll start to help to remove some of that overwhelm that you might be starting to experience with the imposter syndrome because you're training your mind to think. Actually, you're trying to stay ahead of the game. You're trying to um, stay on top of your game. So d just some thoughts there and it's interesting what you say about entry points as well mm. there's so many different entry points I mean uh, I think I was podcasting and we we're talking about the varied skills that uh, people require to be a marketer now and they are so varied and she was saying this is when your team becomes so important rather than trying to have all those different skills and that analytical creative you know performance and branding together Surround yourself by people that can do a bit of everything and be the expert in your field um, and build a team that supports that. And I know we're going to talk about the government skills boot camps um, in a little bit, but I wanted to talk about, as you were talking about youngsters, is upskilling important for all levels of seniority? Oh, absolutely. And uh, one aspect I would, I would uh, highlight is leadership training. So often you see people being promoted into more senior roles or into a leadership of a function role, such as marketing director um, or chief marketing officer, VP of marketing, 
because they've done a great job, they've got great results doing that particular specialist role that they've had. But rarely along the way do we dedicate enough time to learning about leadership, leadership skills, managing people. And so suddenly you can find yourself uh, trying to cling on to your past role. Mm. And this is where you start to get overwhelmed because you're doing your old job with the new job, grappling with, oh, my goodness, how do you manage a team? How do you lead a, a function? still doing your old job because that's your comfort zone that's what you know but actually you've got to really release yourself from that and you have to focus in on leading the function managing the team to get the best out of that team and focus on on that team building and team development and and nurturing so they can do their best work and sometimes you do have to let go and let somebody else have a go and learn uh, and explore uh, those pieces. But so it's equally as important to not just stay ahead with professional development on a marketing specialist topic, but also if you're an aspiring future marketing leader, start to look at some courses where you can get some leadership uh, training, um, you know, to, to know how to best lead and develop a team. And so, Kate, I know you've been uh, working with the government skills mm-hmm. boot camps. Can you tell us about the kind of, you know, what they're solving and, and how they're helping? So I think that that comes from that sort of skills for life. In fact, I think that's the name of the full campaign, which is about, you know, introducing a, a more a positive attitude towards lifelong learning. Um, so I think it's a very positive scheme because what it's done really. So a skills boot camp is up to 16 week training programme which can be fully funded by the government if it's somebody who's unemployed or self-employed, or it can be part funded and part of an upskilling programme for an organisation. Um, and for small businesses, the government fund up to fund 90% of the course costs. Wow. So that is a huge um, funding, you know, to enable people. And what it's done, it's taken away the financial barrier for organisations. So that's enabled, from our point of view, we've seen a lot of SMEs taking up, in fact, it's, I think we had a target of of being asked to have 60% of SMEs reskilling with us. We were over 80%. Wow. So, you know, and your Miller references where there's just one person in the organisation doing marketing or, in fact, whether it's the business owner, you know, who's working, you know, looking at how do they expand. And what boot camps do is they take the cost away and they give a very broad-based, in our case, their digital marketing strategy boot camp, which covers all the fundamentals of, of digital marketing. So I think it's been very positive on on that front. What it doesn't get away from is we still have to invest the time and we still have to want to people to invest the time in our businesses to take that on. And I still think that's a, a, a small barrier um, to people taking on the boot camps that we as an industry need to address. And I think, you know, again, Yamila mentioned that one hour a week, that's been a sort of micro upskilling campaign the DMA have driven to say, put one hour a week aside here's all the content for you to be able to do that. It can be a course, it can be a podcast, it can be a webinar, you know, it can be a variety of different things just to keep yourself upskilling. So I think it's been, you know, that's been quite insightful working with Department for Education, getting those boot camps off the ground. Um, but I think as a policy, it's quite a successful mm-hmm. policy, you know, and a great thing, I think, for government to be supporting businesses to reskill their teams you know you know we've talked about moving from perhaps different areas of business perhaps more experienced marketers feeling that they were great with their traditional marketing channels and very good at strategy but 
how do you write an email marketing plan? What should my search engine optimization be looking like, you know, for our website? So, you know, it's it's covered a really broad spectrum, you know, of, of training needs right the way through to junior marketers, people using it almost as an onboarding. You know, in an agency, perhaps when somebody's not got a full diary, I know that changes very rapidly, but when their diary isn't full and, and people aren't in the office to spend time, you know, the boot camps have been a great way for them to sort of get their juniors up and running with a really broad digital marketing knowledge plan. So I think as a policy, it's been successful and the industry uptake has been pretty good. I mean, yes, it's interesting when you say it, it's like the challenge is... Um... I want to say convincing, but kind of encouraging businesses to put the time aside for their employees. Yeah. Um, uh, is this? But in, and in in turn, it's always going to make your people better because if you expect someone to hit the ground running in a new role straight away, yeah. you're losing out on the people that might need a little time to get there, and then in the end, be better. You know, after they've had a little bit of training and yeah. uh, allowed to get to that place. Um, but you know, whilst we're talking about. Um, you know, upskilling is important for all levels of seniority. I'd like to talk about if you've personally experienced imposter syndrome, uh, you know, in, in both your wonderful and spanning careers and how did you navigate through it? I don't feel I've ever had imposter syndrome, but I think we all have moments where we know we ought to know something more about parts <laughs> of our job and, you know, and that that can encourage you to to train more, to learn more. But I think... I'm always very transparent about what I do and I don't know because I, I accept that I can't be an expert in everything, you know, and a lot of my job now is looking at skills overall and talking to governments and working with universities and working on apprenticeship programmes. So I accept I won't be, my knowledge on SEO won't be brilliant, mm. you know, compared to others. But I think you've got to be honest about what you know and I think what your job requires you know, both for you to deliver it and to grow in that role. What about you after your 30 years? And after 30 years, oh my goodness. Uh, there have been several moments. I wouldn't necessarily say that because I didn't know the label back then to sort of be mm. thinking about it as imposter syndrome, but I think it's only natural that you have moments where you have doubt, you have that mm. self-doubt um, when you get moved into a new role and you think, well, can I can I do this? Um, and... You, you have to sort of start to think, well, they wouldn't have given me this role if they didn't see something within me that they felt I was going to be able, you know, to, to do some good with this. So, uh, yeah, you've got to overcome those those feelings of, of self-doubt. I mean, I've switched uh, career, well, not exactly career, but I've, I've changed direction. So I started out in telesales uh, that moved into sales and uh, it was back in those days, you know, realising if I did this little thing called marketing, I think my sales could be improved and so I started off as a salesperson so I went on evening classes and then got my diploma in marketing and then I thought actually do you know what I'm enjoying doing this marketing as well as the sales but actually I want to do more of marketing and then that's what launched me into fully going uh, into marketing but definitely with a commercial uh, head on my shoulders but then switching from those days where I worked in startups to then moving to a mid-sized firm, to then moving to a corporate and a blue chip the size of an IBM, in fact, two tours of duty at IBM, and then to more recently, seven years ago, setting up my own business. Those are changes where at each of those points you think, oh, can I do this? You have those moments where you sort of question yourself. And it comes down to confidence. But learning and professional development and continual learning 
is, I think, a huge boost to giving you that confidence to say to yourself, I might not know this, I'm going to go on this course, I'm going to learn this, I can do this, I've got this. So it's a huge sort of boost. So I think we have to look at what's going to give us confidence to actually move move through it and navigate it. But yes, there's there's lots of times where suddenly you start, whether you'd call it imposter syndrome or not, you sort of question yourself, second guess yourself and think, actually, just give it a go. What's the worst thing that could happen? Let's just give it a go. That, Got to that be positive. You that extra push as well it's like anything isn't it a little bit of anxiety is good because it gives you that sort of push to get out there and do something and try something new extend your skills you know whatever that may be yeah there's good and bad adrenaline so yes, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I always say it shows you care you know if I'm you know really suffering I'm so nervous about something so it's because I know I want to it's because I know I'm you know really passionate about this and I care about the outcome yeah. so it's it's a good thing, as oh, horrible as it might feel as absolutely. well. Absolutely, but really getting to understand yourself and having self-awareness of who you are, what makes you tick, what's your purpose, why are you doing the job you're doing, why are you in the career you're in, you know, that can all be, you know, prompts to give you renewed confidence and excitement in what you're doing and, and propel you forward. Absolutely. Well, whilst we've been talking about skills um, that marketers need, I'd like to move forward, especially... In 2024, I think uh, AI was one one expert's word of the year last year after, you know, the explosion that was generative AI. Um, and, you know, we've spoken about how traditional marketers have had to grapple with email and SEO and things like that. And we are on a performance marketing podcast. But what skills would you say that marketers should focus on acquiring to stay competitive in 2024 um, if there are any skills they should focus on at all? If I could just offer a quick uh, insight the some of the the marketers that that I work with that are new into the industry and that have, have grown up within sort of um, you know the, the digital environment it's very easy for them to be reliant on the tools that are now available to us so some of the core training that we would have gone through yes 30 years ago uh, such as copywriting um, and writing copy and messaging and value proposition work and positioning is is handled differently these days. And so I, I see that there are some struggles and I'm fearful. I'm looking forward to how AI can help us in so many different ways, but I am fearful that we may become over-reliant on it in the near term and we may find a dip in actual marketing performance because unless you can be truly authentic, and I am one of those purists that think, you know, brands do need to be authentic and have their own tone of voice. We can't just be, uh, you know, other versions of others. We're, we're going to lose something. We're going to lose that attractiveness to individual markets that, that, that would want us. And I am fearful that there will be over-reliance on AI to generate lots of, lots of copy. And without having some experience in copy, copywriting, copy editing, we may not feel the confidence to understand what AI is giving us and then amend it so that we can enrich it. So I'm all for using AI, especially you know within marketing, but there's still the need for the human and the human skill set to enrich it, to ensure that it is truly you know, on brand but authentic. Uh, brand voice and I do and I do worry I, I see it with uh, you know simple things like you know the word and other applications are available but you know we rely on that to be our spell checker and grammar check but you've still got to cast your eye over it even after you've just put your you know uh, 
fingers to the keyboard and, and typed, you still need to cast your eye over it to, to sort of spot any uh, errors and mistakes that are there. Because again, that's that's your reputation that's then you know on the line if you're putting something out there that's that's not you know excellent. And I think also in terms of when you talk about authentic work from brands, at the current um, you know state of how AI has developed, you don't want things to start looking the same as well. You want to keep all these uh, individualities between brands and their tone of voice and everything. So that's an important thing to keep. And other apps, you recognise it and they can actually see if something's been, you know, chat GPT'd uh, and, uh, you know, the, the, the content is there. So uh, search search engines and, and, and Google, you know, will, will penalise it. it. It will push you down the ranking. So it, you've, you've got to be careful. You've got to just be careful with it. I think some of that comes back to making sure you've got those basic marketing skills in place first. So you've got that knowledge, as you say, of things like copywriting, of understanding data strategy, of understanding, you know, how putting a campaign together works. I think I think you need all that as your starting point. But, you know, and I think some skills that, that obviously have become more important recently around data analytics, around spotting trends, around spotting insights. So I think if you've got those fundamentals in place, I think it's about how you use AI to integrate and develop what you're doing. If you start from the right place, I think actually we had a really brilliant um, webinar recently on copywriting and AI and how you can use AI as a starter for anything to get you going. But you're right, you then still need the skills. So, So I worry less about us running out of those skills as long as you have the fundamentals in place and that's back to that training, you know, and having that core skill training and knowledge early in your career. But I think it presents a fantastic opportunity to cut to the really interesting stuff, you know, to get that start, then to develop it. And I think, you know, we all know it's easier to start with something to look at than to start with a blank sheet of paper in in any situation. So I think, you know, I think the skill is how do you integrate AI into what you're doing, you know, and whether that's helping and but also starting to think about other aspects in terms of ethics of AI and and how we work with algorithms, how, you know, how that human touch is applied to the decisions that you're making as well. I agree with you. The human touch is obviously essential um, and where that creativity comes from. But I do think having the start is fine. And then applying that skill that you've got to, to you know, it's almost a, a shortcut. It's a huge opportunity from a uh, skills, attra- from a talent attraction perspective as well for the, for the industry and for businesses, because marketing is now much broader than, than it was back in the day where it was much more just the creative. So we're able to attract people with different core skills, interest areas, and that's what we're needing. We're needing a more diverse team within the marketing function and to be representative also of the society that that we're serving that that brand is particularly serving its products and and, and services to so it's I think it's having more technology present within marketing is an enabler for helping us to actually build more diverse and potentially therefore more you know high performing and sustainable um, teams Mm. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's, it seems that it's a dialogue with mm. AI, isn't it? Mm. It's not a reliance. It's a you have to, you know, retain a critical thinker um, and not just kind of accept it for what it what it uh, turns out. Well, we have got through the easy questions for today, and we are on to the PMW resell me a pen challenge. 
which as we've got two guests are we gonna do it is it a I joint don't know how we're gonna do this well, we've got a minute haven't we you've got, you've got six minutes yeah yeah well how about how about i kick off with the sort of benefits okay okay you can tell we know. haven't prepared this <laughs> uh, i don't know what do you think no that, that sounds good kate you kick off <laughs> You kick off with the benefits and then I can dive in with strategically how it could be. Okay, well, I have tasked Yamina and Kate to resell the BlackBerry, which was chosen by our previous guest, Nick Bamber, who's the head of digital at Domino's. So, I mean, BlackBerry was a staple in uh, business communications for a while, so it's nice to hear it come back. But when you are ready, we'll start with Kate. Resell me the BlackBerry. Okay, so I think the BlackBerry's one of its most sustaining features is that keyboard. Nice, tactile, it moves. You can use it when you've got your gloves on, doesn't get upset about that. It's extremely secure. Barack Obama famously had a BlackBerry over a smartphone. Very durable. I actually ran over mine with an estate car once and it still worked afterwards. Didn't have to pay £100 to replace the screen. But the big thing for me is organisation focus from a work point of view. It does email, it does text, it does um, phone calls brilliantly. Can't lose two hours falling down the LinkedIn hole. Can't do Instagram real scrolling. It just keeps you really, really focused. So target audience, I think, is probably... Uh, all right, Kate, you can't probably see us on the screen because you're listening to this as a podcast, but Kate is now looking over at me. And yes, <laughs> so I think it's us. So, oh, it's us, yeah. So, uh, so yes, target audience is... The business audience it's the corporate user uh it, i i i had one i had lots of friends that had them uh in business and we were all quite sad when it went we obviously made the switch because we're progressive to uh to the sort of the, the, the touch screen uh phones of uh that, that we all you know know and love now however times are changing we're even seeing automotive manufacturers that have the big uh touch screen screens within cars actually hearing back from the consumers consumers are now actually saying no bring the buttons back so absolutely the blackberry, buttons. The blackberry, blackberry returns buttons. with blackberry buttons to uh, well yes to 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 support actually what the consumers are asking for give the people what they, they want. want the people want a blackberry <laughs> so let's give them a blackberry Oh, that's brilliant. We did run over, but not by too long. Not by too long. I thought I wanted to hear where that was going to go. Because, I mean, well, tactile things, everyone's um, really interested in that at the moment, aren't they? But I was interested in your points about security. Uh, you know, productivity. Your productivity <laughs> as well, productivity as well. Although I'm not so sure we we would do an, an ad campaign um, actually showing what Kate had done, which was to actually run over it. I don't think we'll we'll, we'll want to encourage that kind of behaviour. Humans um, coming back into marketing, isn't it? <laughs> you could also have a bit of a cheeky social media campaign, which basically said BlackBerry users not welcome till five thirty. You've got to get off and get on, get focused with your BlackBerry, get your work done. Yeah. And then you can then you can hit Instagram Reels once you're finished. Then you can play, yeah. Keep apart, from, apart from those social media folks uh, that uh, that need to be on Reels and doing all that kind of stuff, but mm. uh, I'm sure there's other devices for them. But uh, I mean, the other guests are going to kill me that I've let you go on for so for, for giving my verdict. <laughs> well, there are there are two of us. There are so two of you. so it was actually more of a challenge for you than it was for us. <laughs> Well, I mean, I have to say without a shadow of a doubt, you have resold hey, the BlackBerry yay. to a modern day audience with a, a semi-performance marketing strategy <laughs> to go alongside of it. Um, but yeah, I think I was most convinced by the uh, 
uh, getting rid of the LinkedIn scrolling, the Instagram scrolling, giving you that focus. Get focused. Yeah, the focus of productivity. The UK's got a productivity gap. And so, you know, that's what business needs. We need to get our productivity up. So, yeah, switch to the BlackBerry. Rim, come back. You've lost your one. You've sold it. I know. <laughs> I know. Did you need us to say a sentence about the challenge we're setting the next person? We think the holiday postcard. Everyone used to send a postcard when they went on holiday. And we always used to love receiving them. And that's now stopped. I think that's a good one. I mean, I still send podcasts if I go away. Podcasts? <laughs> Postcards <laughs> if I go away. But um, I find, especially with the European Post, I mean, they, they arrive after I've returned back home. So Lovely to receive, though. I still yeah. enjoy receiving a postcard, even though I'm not very good at sending them. It's slightly hypocritical. <laughs> well... Thank you both so much for coming on this podcast, talking about upskilling, imposter syndrome, and bringing back the buttons. It's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> You're that's, most welcome. That's it. That's the copy. Thank you. Thank you. It copyrights itself. Who needs who needs ChatGPT? I mean, we've we've done it. There you go. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Performance Marketing Unlocked. We hope you have enjoyed it, and as always, we like to know what you think. So if you have liked this episode. Give it a follow, leave a review and head to performancemarketingworld.com to subscribe to everything performance marketing from us. I'm your host, Lucy Shelley. Thanks for listening and I will see you next time.